drive, gets inside, leans in, knocked away, it's stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup, oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top, bang, bang. This the This time I'm sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. You I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Quartzite Heat, QuartzitHeat.com, and this is Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. when this podcast is coming out. And we are back with another thrilling podcast episode. See you guys for tuning in. We've got so much to talk about from Michael Porter Jr. to LeBron James actually going to the NFL. We'll touch on that in a bit. Zion Williamson. And there's actually positive news between the New Orleans Pelicans and him. And of course, we have more tension, more rivalry between the unvaccinated and the vaccinated. But now, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one of the uh, the greatest scorer ever to live, I believe he holds the record for most points scored in um in his entire career. He puts his insights on the COVID vaccine and what should happen to non-vaccinated players. We're going to talk about it all, and of course, we've got the series, the series we've been carrying out for a week now, about who's the toughest toughest division in the entire NBA. So, today we'll be looking at the Central Division, and my oh my, is does that one have some good sleeper teams? Does that have some dominant teams? The most notable one of the Central Division are the Milwaukee Bucks, who won the 2021 NBA championship over the Phoenix Suns in a thrilling game six series. So this going to be amazing. Then we're going to see some sleeper teams like the Chicago Bulls who upgraded with the DeMar DeRozan, Alonzo Ball, Alex Crusoe, and so many more terrific players. And even for the coaching staff that's evolving with Billy Donovan and just ins and outs of it. So yeah, we're going to break that down. And before we get to that podcast section, before we get to the breaking news section, the tour series, let's break down social media. Where can you find us and how can you find us? So you can find us on the top. We make sure that we're on every single social media uh, channel that's pretty much out there that you guys will find useful. Our biggest one by far is Instagram because we get so many comments, so many um, different likes and different like shares, I guess, with the save button or if the little like um, emoji icon, like, I don't know like what you call that. It looks like an envelope sideways. Anyways, but that's how like Instagram, it's huge for us. And then it goes Twitter, then it goes Facebook, etc., etc. But hey, I just like pumping out content for you guys. And that's what Courts of Heat Heat's here for. We have our meme page. Then we have our series page. Then we have everything. Like we took, like I, I never knew this was possible for Courts Heat. But we were able to take like funny post memes. And we were able to take content uh, breaking news, and we were able to smash into one with all these different polls, funny uh, photos, and different things like that. Like just take it yesterday, 
we had our, I, I found this humorous, I found this really funny photo about, um, about the human race and whatnot, like, about, like, it was funny, like, the photo said uh, 50 years ago that they bet they were gonna have, fit, like, uh, flying cars and whatnot in today's present, then you just see some person having a trash bag over the head in the store, it's really funny, that sounded really bad how it came out, um, you guys should go check it out, and you guys should check it out by going to Instagram.com slash Courtside Heat NBA. I have a weird, I have a weird way of describing things, and I just sounded like I was um, having fun of somebody suffocating to death with a garbage bag overhead. Um, it's much more funny when you guys see the post. Wow, like, it sounded so much better in my head. Like, you know when you get an idea, it's like inside your head, and then when you say the words out loud, it's like... Oh, why did I say that? That's not what I meant. Wow, that just came off very, very interesting and poorly. In whatever manner you are talking with him, whether that's a family setting, a friend setting, or like work setting, etc., etc. But yeah, I just, I just, I think I just pulled one of those moments. But that's how you're able to find us on Instagram. You're able to find us on Twitter. Just go to twitter.com/courtsideheat. Then go to Tumblr.com slash Quartzite Heat, Facebook.com slash Quartzite Heat. We're updating that each and every social media site three to four times a day. And we're throwing in polls in there on Twitter. Now, one of our most recent polls actually came from Twitter. And it was really cool when we put it out. We tweeted, and this was about, uh, give or take, like a week ago. So we come out and see these weekly polls, and the last one was, if you had a chance to go back to 2016 NBA draft and redraft for the 76ers, who would it be? We listed Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, Buddy Heal, Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam went really late to the draft. Uh, Buddy healed. He fell off in the first 10 or 15 picks. Salem Jalen Brown, of course, we know Ben Simmons went first overall. Um, this is actually kind of funny. Out of all the votes we received, the final results were 0% for Ben Simmons, 22% for Buddy Heald, and 34% for Pascal Siakam. The, but then for Jalen Brown, 44%. And it's actually really interesting. I would actually see Siakam and Embiid being really well, but also having Brown and Embiid, Tobias Harris, Horford at the time, um, all these different players, you know what? That actually makes a strong case for a solid team. But yeah, those are like some of like the many polls that we give out. We've been riding the 76ers train. We've been riding all these different like trending things in the NBA. We've been sending out polls and you guys have just been going off on them. Um, we also did one two weeks ago. Like, do you like Ben Simmons or no? Uh, 33% said yes. 25% said no. 42% of you guys said not a chance. We all know who the Philly fans are, and we all know who the delusional Sacramento King fans are. But yeah, those were one of the many polls that we put out weekly. We're actually going to be coming out of our poll um, actually today, today or tomorrow, Tuesday or Wednesday, right? So be out to look out, Fred. Again, Twitter, 
just go in there, whether it's on a mobile or desktop, just make sure you're able to have a Twitter account on hand, log in now if you're not ready, and just go vote, because these are some sick polls, and we have so many more things coming out. So yeah, do not miss it. Twitter.com slash courts he mobile desktop search us. We're one of the first things that show up on Twitter when you put in the word court and then you add S and whatnot. We're one of the first things that show up. So go do it. And yeah. Also, we're on TuneIn right now. So tune into the podcast by going to tunein.com. You will not regret it. We talked about tuning yesterday and what they uh, what they're valuable for, what they're known for. It's real cool. I use them, and I think you guys should too. Especially since now I embed their um embed part, my courts of heat part to my site. So now when you scroll down to courts of heat at the bottom, it'll have the most recent episode on my station. So now when you click on it. Boom, have the most recent, and now I don't got a manual update it, and you guys don't have to wait a day or so to see it, so it's huge, it's nice, really clean, it has a nice edge to it, so go to tunein.com slash courtside heat, I'll leave the link down in social media, or just search us on Google, it'll probably show up um, when you search courtside heat one word in Google. Worst case scenario, just type in Quartzite Heat Tune-In because you should be able to get there too. But I just wanted to bring that to your guys' attention because we were actually talking about that yesterday. I was bringing up that because I'm like, you know what? Let's just get on there too because I want to just be on everywhere for you guys' convenience. But yeah, if you search um, Quartz Heat Tune-In, you'll see a lot of our stuff and you will find eventually um, Tune-In. But just go to tunein.com and just manually put in courts of heat. For this one, it's going to be three separate words. Court, uh, space, side, space, heat. Three separate words, court, side, heat. You guys won't be able to miss it. And I don't know if they'll let you look up names, but if they do, um, search up Joshua Unix. That's what the podcast is under. This is what our podcast is under. And finally, for the last announcement before we get into the uh, next beautiful part of our segment of our show, is that Siri. Um, so Siri, if you have an iPhone, you're part of Apple, whether you have a Mac, iPad, iPhone, or whatever you have, you actually can now say, hey Siri, play Courtside Heat's podcast. That exact phrase, and boom, you'll be able to see Cortez's podcast. It probably will ask you if you have, like, Spotify, uh, iTunes. If you have, like, any of those, like, our podcast players, you could pick your default, and any time you say it, whether that's hands-free or you have to click a button to activate Siri, it'll go tell you right to our, it'll go straight to my podcast, and it won't even open the app. It would just play right on the home screen. You don't even have to do the face recognition if you have that kind of iPhone. The newer of iPhones that have face recognition. You don't have to sign in. So take us on the go. Hands free. Especially if you're stuck in traffic. Trust me. Uh, 7, 8 in the morning in Arizona. Especially where I live. It's tough. It's very tough. We know the snowbirds are back. We appreciate them, but not their driving. And I think everyone would certainly agree on that. And without further ado, 
unless I can't think of anything else and you guys don't have anything else to say on the Courts of Heat text line, then without further ado, let's let's get let's get into this podcast. Let's have a drum roll or something that goes off in our head and let's get into the breaking news section. And starting it off would be Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. has came up in recent talks with the Denver Nuggets. There was always this off-season rub, all these different rumors and reports like, oh, MPJ, he's going to get a contract with Denver. They're going to they're gonna agree upon something. And we also saw, well, if Denver is a sleeper team for Ben Simmons, expect to see MPJ go, see Michael Porter Jr. go. And so... We have finally found out today or yesterday that Michael Porter Jr. has agreed to a five-year, $207 million contract, rookie max contract. He is the fourth rookie to get a max extension. That is huge. The other three would be Luka Doncic, Trey Young, and Robert Williams. Uh, one place for the Mavericks, one place for the Hawks, and one place for your Celtics. But, see, here's the thing. I like this move because that actually means that the Denver Nuggets, with their current roster, wants to keep them intact. And you could just be saying to me, keep one intact. They're just forming this now. They're adding new pieces now in last season. But you know what? That tells me as a... As like as a fan or as a, a reporter of the game that that this team actually has faith in their players and they want to see his grow because when Jamal Murray was out the uh torn ACL, the Denver Nuggets were doubted on. They were like, oh no, they're not gonna be able to advance. Then you see Jokic and Gordon and Porter when he's having good games and not injured, and you're like, wow, you know what? This is actually really something. They got deep into the playoffs. And then even though they got swept by the Phoenix Suns, they still put up a heck of a battle. And they're still putting good numbers and good solid basketball in the first three games, right? I guess in the fourth game until it came apparent they weren't winning it. Then it's like, yeah, it's time just to go full out blowout mode. But people can doubt this move. And I get it, people could be hesitant because of his injuries. But now, it's not, I get it, people say, well, you can have your point about not being like uh, guaranteed money, but it's still on money for this player. I get where people are coming from. I do, I do. But come on, the, uh, the Nuggets are cashing all in. They have Jokic, they have Murray, they have Gordon, they have Millsap. They have now Michael Porter Jr. locked in for five years. They have Aaron Gordon locked in, I believe, for three or four years. Most likely free. Jokic isn't going anywhere. Murray's definitely not going anywhere. Millsap, he's here. And all these different pieces. They're building that team up. And to me, Michael Porter Jr. is not bad. Look beyond his stats. He's just a good score. He's a good overall player. And people may not think that the former first, uh, 14th overall pick back in the 2018 NBA draft is worth it. But here's the thing. 
when healthy, he averages 19 points. He showed that. And now I believe he's going to cash in on it. I don't think that he's going to stop being hungry for wins, hungry for a championship. But I think this will motivate him that people are critiquing him that he got this huge payday. That he secured the bag. And um, that they just think that he's just going to like blow it off, right? I actually think it's going to be the complete opposite. I think he got everything secured. But it's going to make him more hungry to say to his crit- uh, critiques, to his critics, uh, that, look, I got this huge payday to put the mission, but the goal has always been the same. Win games as a team and win a championship as a team and just keep going out there and balling out. Because last season, there's there's a 15-minute difference. He played 31 minutes this past season in 2019, only 16 minutes. He had 19 points this season off of 54% from the field, 7 rebounds, and a 1 assist per game. Those are solid numbers. And and I'm going to do some calculations real quick to see if I'm right. He's going to be making 41 and close to a half per year. That's a lot of making $41 million a year. That's, that's a lot of money. I get it. People are hesitant because of injuries. That it's taken him a while because of his foot injuries. And he was dealing with back injuries. I get majority of his playing time has been consumed by injuries. Besides last season, I get it. But to me, 82 games, potentially the playoffs, I think his body can hold up. If he invests in his body correctly, I think he's going to hold up. I also think of this, that people have to realize it's more than the money. I think that's what Michael Porter Jr. wanted. And he was also a rookie. So his contract, his max, his max contract extension was going to be a heavy price tag regardless. Regardless of if he was with the Nuggets or not. He was still going to make over $100 million. He was just able to get the 207 part, right? People got to remember this. The Nuggets aren't here just to spend money. They're doing it strategically. There's a reason why the Nuggets are doing this. If the Nuggets didn't think that he was worth it, then they just wouldn't pay him the money. But the Nuggets see something. It's the same thing when the media didn't see what, how special Devin Booker was. But the Suns did. But Chris Paul did. But his teammates did. There's just a difference. I believe there's something we don't know about MPJ that could be setting us apart from what the, um, what the NBA experts know and what we know. Because now, now you're locking everyone in. You got Composo, you got Jokic, you got Murray, you got Porter, you got Gordon, you got Barden, you got Rivers, you got Green. You got a, you got a solid front, and you got a solid back. Like the starting five is gonna be elite, and then the rotational players and bench players alike, they're gonna be good to a certain extent. But the starting five. Capazzo can hit freeze. Jokic is dominant on the inside. Murray can attack the basket and hit anywhere from the court. Um, well, I shouldn't say really anywhere, but you guys get where I'm going. He can hit freeze. He can drive. He can slash. He can dribble, right? Porter, he's got a good, he got his good arsenal. He can do some damage if you allow him. And averaging 19 points, I believe he's going to take it up a notch. I believe he's going to score 25 points a game. And that money making $41.5 million per year 
is now going to be like setting into management saying he's going to play more minutes. And I believe that's actually very fair and reasonable. I believe he's going to play at least 35 minutes per game. Because he's a he's a good small forward. He's a good power forward for those two positions. He's just overall good forward. And I believe people need to see that. He had a 10-point increase from 2019 to 2020. And that's what 15 minutes added to his game log per game, right? So that's significant. But then you see that he's almost doubling in rebounds, almost doubling in assists. He's up f- almost 5% on his field percentage, shooting 54% from the field and able to knock shots down at a significant rate. Is very good and very talented. I look past his injuries. I say he's getting his body in control. He's getting those injuries under control. I like this. I'm passionate. Always been a Michael Porter guy. I always have been. I liked what the Nuggets did back in 2018. I liked how he's advanced. Sure, he's had a, ro- a rocky start in the NBA, but now he's setting in. He's finding his foot, Fide. He's able to find comfort, and he's doing that off of 50% from the 54% from the field and 19 points per game. And he's only 2.7 rebounds off from a double double. He's going to use his 6'10 height to his advantage. He's going to use his body to his advantage. I'm telling you, he's only 23, and you're going to have him until he's like 28, 29 years old. I'm telling you, that's going to be something scary. And that's going to affect everything. Not Michael Porter Jr. alone, but as a team, as a whole, my goodness, that's going to be something. And I will bet on that. I will bet any sort of money to say this team is going to go back to the playoffs and Porter's going to score 23 to 25 points a game. Murray's going to score 20 to 23 points a game. Jokic is going to score between 28 points a game and maybe 30 points a game. Kapaz is going to knock around, knock down a few frees to let him set up uh, six between 6 and 8 points. Then we're going to see Eric Gorin getting 12 points a game. This is beyond the money. Beyond the money for Denver. Denver's like... You know what? If we got to pay him $41 million because we see something in him, we're going to make that investment. And we think it's going to count for the future. Like, no one's going to believe. Like, no one's ever going to see. Let's just do it. Because Jokic, he's there. Um, I'm looking at his contract right now. He recently signed a five-year. He's not a free agent till 2023. They got the money. Like, they're ready. Jamal Murray. I'm looking up his contract right now. Um, he's not afraid into 2025. Michael Porter Jr., who recently just signed this contract, is gonna be, he's gonna be, well, we're right anywhere in 2021, about 2026. Then Capazzo, Capazzo's, uh, contract doesn't end up to 2022, it's about next season. Aaron Gore, who recently just signed, his contract doesn't end until the 2025-26 season. And that includes a player option. Come on. Like, they're making the smart moves here. When you go down to Will Barton, we all make fun of Will Barton, but he's actually really good. Averages between 12 to 15 points per game. Come on, that's solid. Especially for on a two-year $30 million contract. 
Because even though he's coming up soon, or I believe next year, that's also something to look out for if he's going to get a contract extension. I'm just really liking this. I'm pumped up. I really am pumped up. We got a core five here. We got a reigning MVP here. We got a soup. We got two superstars. We have up and coming talent that's gonna break the NBA wide open, like Michael Porter Jr. Capazzo's a sneaky three point shooter. Gordon's that flashy dunker, but he knows how to work it. He just does. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. This is gonna be something. So this signing, I love. I love. I just. I I just really do. I cannot stress that enough. I don't know how many times I've said the word love so far. I should do a recount of that. But I've kept saying the word love over and over again. Because I'm just really excited. I'm pumped. I'm enthusiastic about this move. Because I believe this is a smart move. This is a logical move for the future. They're not playing for this season. Like, they're playing for this season, but they're planning for the future. They're ready. They're going to utilize draft picks, trade options, player signings, player re-signings. They're going to try to do everything in their power to get this to a uh, to a um, championship-level team without hesitation, without doubt, without questioning. And I believe that's going to be the difference. That's a strong mentality. And I believe that means you believe in your players and what you saw last season, 2019, and just decisions like that. So to me, the scouting team's doing a great job so far. Because I bet you anything, those guys over there are saying, look, Porter's going to be something special. Look past the injuries. $172 million um, is what he's going to make. And the thing is with him, he's gonna get all that money if he makes uh one out of the free all star all NBA teams. So that's gonna be something very, very interesting to look out for. But yeah, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. I'm actually really excited and I wanna keep that going for the upcoming season, which actually begins October fourth, preseason, October twentieth, October nineteenth, twentieth for the NBA start of the regular season. But now, without further ado, let's transition into more positive news. Zion Williamson, I guess it's not really positive news. Like, it's half and half. Because we just found out yesterday um, afternoon, after, of course, my podcast was done, wrapped up and everything. I didn't get this on my podcast but I'm getting it today, and it was where Zion Williamson underwent surgery for a fractured foot during the offseason. However, he should be able to be back before and or right at the regular season start. So they're just fixing a fractured foot that happened in the workout during the offseason. He's going to be back healthy, ready to go. So I'm not going to stress too much about that. It's not like they're saying, well, the surgery is in the rehab time. That's going to kill their shot. He's going to be out for a week or two. Unless anything changes or unless I read something wrong, I'm not going to stress about this. It stinks about the fractured foot, but it could have been way worse, and it could have had a more significant timeline, more impacting timeline towards the negative side. But if he's going to be ready for the start of the season, game one uh, out of 82 games, you know, 
I'm not going to stress about it. As long as you're there for the first game, then I am good. But leading into that, we've talked about it. I've bashed this Pelicans organization so much because of how they have handled their management, their head coaches, their front office, the ownership, uh, how they've handled their own players, losing some key players like Alonzo Ball, losing key players and adding some key players. And then Zion and his frustrations are building up. Well, Zion's coming out bold and saying, you know what? I want to stay in New Orleans. There's simply no bad blood between me and the franchise. Not between our ship. We're fine. We're fine with him. There's no bad blood. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be gold. So... Either he's just trying to get fans calmed, like remain calm, remain chill. It's going to be all right for this upcoming season, not to turn her back on the Pelicans, or he's actually being sincere about this. And I'm not saying that what he's saying right now isn't him being sincere, but I'm just saying this. There has to be more to the story. There just is. I'm pretty sure they've had long conversations. I'm pretty sure he's trying to make amends. I think he's just trying to show um, Zion Williams in the plan. Ownership, GM, head coach, right? They want to say, look, we're going to bring in the former Phoenix Suns assistant head coach. That's what we. That's our plan. We have all these different visions, et cetera, et cetera. But for him to say, you know what? There's no bad blood. We're all good. Because he simply could just say, you know what? I'm done. I'm done for this piece of trash organization, etc. So he could have just went off. He could have threw insults at them. He could have thrown names at them. He could have thrown shade at them. He could have thrown garbage, legit garbage at them. Uh, but he never called them a piece of trash. He actually said, we're simply good. I want to play in New Orleans. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. And to me, he didn't call him a piece of trash. But you actually said, I want to be here. And I can't tell you how many people within the NBA can say that about a team like the New Orleans Pelicans. So to, to me, this is actually good. This is good to me. Like, I'm actually pumped up for the Pelicans. I hate the Pelicans. I think their management's awful. But now we're actually seeing some positive light, like... You know what? If their first overall pick, their former first overall pick is saying that, and he's feeling calm, maybe things are going to be okay before this season. In week one, in week two, in week three, right? right? Who knows? Just who exactly knows? It's just going to be very, very interesting how this all plays out. I'm excited to see how it all plays out. I think Zion's trying to keep an open mind about this franchise. Maybe some persuasion was being used. They try to retain Zion and say, look, just play for your entire contract. Let's not request any trades. And if you don't feel satisfied after the season, we'll help you with the search. Maybe it could be like a little John Wall, Houston Rockets action, where they both agreed to try to find a trade, but also both be cooperative in the process. John Wall plays, or in this case, Zion Williamson plays, and their respected organization tries to find a team the best that they can. So that's where we're at. That's the Zion Williamson news. Now, hey, who knew? Like, we all, we all had the what if, like, the greatest what if. Like, what if LeBron James played in the NFL? What if he really never went to the NBA? 
Like, LeBron James on Monday Night Football actually shed a light on his football career. And he talked because he was on Monday Night Football with the Mannings, with Eli Manning, Pay Manning, two former NFL players, two former NFL um, quarterbacks. One, uh, Pay Manning played for the Indianapolis Colts and the Denver Broncos. And Eli Manning stayed true to the cause and played his entire career with the New York Giants. They both are... Super Bowl champions. Eli Manning is known for beating Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl and ending his perfect season on a eight. Ah, uh, what was it? Like eighteen to one, something like that. It was it was crazy, but yeah, nineteen one, something like that. But yeah, so they had their own show now. It's actually not bad. I actually watched clips of it because I'm also a football guy. I actually found it kind of entertaining. And I saw their matchup, I saw their lineup for guest one, guest two, guest three, right? Second guest was LeBron James. And he actually said during the 2011 NBA lockout, he was actually, King Yang was actually offered two contracts in the NFL, NFL organizations. First one, Seattle Seahawks. Second one, the Dallas Cowboys. So he could have hung it up right there. He could have retired from the NBA or briefly paused his NBA career and went to have an NFL career. Can you imagine his physical body? Like, just imagine like the way the built the man's built like a fridge. It's just things so he's just tough. Like, have you ever seen him? He's just athletic as they come, and he makes sure he takes care of his body, uh, properly and able to do it correctly. To have a sustained life uh, in within the NBA. That's why he's in year 19. But I just thought that was interesting. That the Cowboys could have had him lining up next to Tony Romo. Or um, the Seahawks could have had him lining up next to Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch. How epic would that have been? Now, if you said to me during the year of Megatron... Uh, Calvin Johnson was playing, and you in the Lions are like, "Hey, LeBron, but you like the line next to Matthew Stafford, make a try. We can legit kill every organization because we have two of the most physical specimens on the earth. Are you ready? Like that? If that would have happened, I would have freaked out. Like you couldn't be mad. You like." Imagine how you're some five foot eleven guy, and you have to, and you're scrawny. You have some muscle, right? Um, but imagine you line up on opposite ends of the field against LeBron. You're like, oh, oh my, I have to cover you. And all of a sudden, you see the little guy fall down. He's like, yeah, just score a touchdown. We all know I'm gonna get mossed. Like I could legit picture that. I would actually like to see LeBron in the NFL. That is actually one of the most interesting what-ifs because that could actually be one of the most complete what-ifs. Like, it could be one of the most successful what-ifs. Like, that what-if can be turned into reality just because LeBron can. He actually played football in high school. I believe he actually mentioned that before. Like, that's not a secret fact. That's actually a known fact. And just to see him on a football field... My goodness, 
I think if he played, I like to see his football, like his football highs. Because who's seen Andy Reid when he was 13 years old or 15 years old, one to two ages, playing on his, uh, on his football team when he was younger, and he was the biggest kid out there. I can hide and whatnot. My goodness, I can just just see LeBron just standing there, and the quarterback just hands it off to him, or just if he's like running back, or if they throw to him and he's wide receiver, and you just see him trucking each defender, and he's taking all of these little kids with him into the end zone, and he's even taking referees because they can't stop him. Like my goodness. Just imagine that. So I thought that was kind of fun to see. I thought that could actually be a really good reality. I've thought about it before. And this should actually be a poll question on Twitter. I might actually make that for today or for tomorrow. I might actually do that. Because it's actually a really good poll. It's actually a really good what-if question. Because I believe this what-if could be succeeded. I believe this could actually be pulled off because if LeBron's like, you know what, I'm done. I'm going to go to the NFL. He takes care of his body where he's like, I could play 17 weeks. I could play 17 games. And he gets only, and he gets like a lot of days to recover if he wanted to. It's, it's completely different than the NBA schedule and how they train and how they do certain things, how they relax, right? So even though it's two different formats or, and whatnot, that, that to me will actually save LeBron's body more. And I would actually. If he said, I'm going to retire from the NBA and join the uh, NFL, and there's actually a team that would take him up like on a one-year contract, guaranteed money, I will legit do that. Like, all day, who needs a wide receiver? Oh, Lions take him. Like, or, like, the Los Angeles Rams, the Chargers, like, who, the San Francisco 49ers. Like, my goodness. Or could you imagine him being, like, a cornerback just line, imagine him and DeAndre Hopkins going after it. I don't know if any. I don't know if anybody can beat him in a one on one. You're certainly not mossing him. It's not going to be like that epic play last year where DeAndre Hopkins mossed three Buffalo Bill players at the end of the game, and that was a sick, sick play. I don't even know how that happened. AWS said they calculated that I guess sixteen some odd percent for actual completion. That was just very, very lucky. Very, very awesome to see. But can you just imagine that? Just seeing this huge dude in LeBron. Like you, you just seeing the biggest guy on the field. And you're like, what, 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 what's this? He can, he can legit. Like what's happening here? He's bigger than my entire offense. He's massive. Like, I legit believe if we did a 40-yard dash on him, he may be the quickest guy on any team. Like, imagine if he was, like, 19 or 22 or 28 or something like that, using hypothetical numbers, of course, during his entire NBA career and lifespan. But imagine that, running a 40-yard dash. I believe he can do it. I believe he can. Imagine him and Tom Brady playing on the same team. And now Tom Brady will have to play a different position. You want to know why? Because now LeBron can say, I've played two sports and you've only played one position your entire career. Or you know what? Tom Brady should go play basketball in the, um, in the NBA or baseball. You know what? Take baseball. Take baseball. And then we have, like, 
this dual competition of LeBron's playing two sports, uh, Tom Brady's playing two sports, and we can battle it out. I'll take Tom Brady any day of the week, but hey, it'll be a fun matchup to see hypothetically. But how fun would that be? I know how I found this out uh, for today's podcast episode. I was just looking at the Eagles-Cowboys game, and I'm like, wow, Jalen Hurts can't do a darn thing, can he? He's playing as bad as Trevor Lawrence. And I'm like, Dak Prescott, you're the only thing saving Mike McCarthy's job. Well done. You are looking like a really good quarterback. Like, I was looking at it because there was, like, no chance in the world of professional sports the Eagles were going to make a comeback. It's not like you had the Philly special with Nick Foles behind uh, the center. It's not like you have him in shotgun and you're like, just just do it, do your thing. You're right. It's not like we're seeing Nelson Aguilar out there going a thousand miles per hour and burning Patriot defenders in the Super Bowl, and you just see an improbable catch be probable, right? I'm not saying that, but the Eagles are where they are. Um, yeah, getting back on topic, that's pretty much it. Texas, your thoughts on that. Texas, your feelings on this hypothetical matchup. And everything we talked about with LeBron James at the Courts of Heat text line, which is 602-791-2108. Again, that is 602-791-2108. Don't want to miss it. I should, I'm going to make a poll of that. We're making a poll of that. When this podcast airs, I'm pulling a poll up. I just have to. Go check it out. Twitter.com slash Courts Heat. Mobile. Uh, desktop, just find it because you do not want to miss this poll. I bet you everyone will say yes to him being in the NFL. Just because logically it makes sense. He's huge. He's athletic. Like you won't be able to stop him. You won't be able to stop him. That's like, like Jalen Ramsey would even be scared of him. And he's talking trash on every quarterback. He's talking like imagine. If Jalen Ramsey had to guard, had to cover LeBron James, he'll be like a little dog in the fetal position about to pee himself. Because <laughs> it would be a height difference, a weight difference, an athletic difference. And as all in favor of LeBron, might I add, I would just think that would be so, so funny. Oh, I would actually really die for that. If LeBron can make that happen, out of everything he does in his professional and personal life, that is the one thing I want to see before he hangs it up in every single sport. Also, can you imagine him playing hockey? Imagine if he could play hockey. You just imagine seeing this big, muscular, athletic guy coming down, and he's knocking out everyone in his path. Even the goalie would be scared because he's over there just slap-shotting it, heading in hell like a 1,000 miles per hour. Right? Like, baseball wouldn't be too bad. He would just have so much strength, and if he times it well, he could get a home run. Right? He could make some runs happen. He could get doubles right here. I don't know. But my goodness, that would be actually really, really funny. We have, like, soccer. Can you imagine him just, in, like, instead of sliding, you just see him just trucking guys? Like, not even the refs will pull the red card. You couldn't. Because LeBron would just come over, and you just see him. He's, like, twice your size, height, weight, everything. And you're just like, nope, nope. Been dancing here. We're just going to um, go back. LeBron's in. It's like, LeBron's just freakishly huge and athletic. Like, who could 
Like, who could be that way and still be playing in, like, in any professional sport? That's because he's putting a million dollars in his year, in his body per year. That's just really good training. That's really good conditioning of the body, preserving the body throughout all of these years, for all of the contact, for all of the running, for all of the exercises, etc., all of the games, all of, like that's not even like including the postseason, regular season, and scrimmages. He probably does. Oh, and I need to, I need to address this real quick since we're talking about LeBron James. Skip. Skip Bayless, um, you need to find something better to do than, um, than stock LeBron James. I put this on my social media account, but I put this on my social media account about, um, so, like, uh, LeBron's wife, I believe it was, like, Savannah, uh, Savannah James, I can't remember, apologies there, but his wife doesn't even post him, he only, she only posts five times. During a month, last month, it is Skip Bayless is eleven. Like it's weird. I listened to this. He just came out of one, uh, three days ago. Uh, three days ago, he's one of the biggest LeBron James stalker. He even said when LeBron was in the pubs, how much he missed him. You're like. What your account reminds me of, like what Skip's account reminds me of, is a teen girl going crazy over some professional athlete. Like, I just, it's so sad. It's just so sad, so pathetic, yet so funny to watch. Cause I'm watching all these videos and I just see, I just see like all these photos and like in the old caps, he's like, where LeBron's at. He's like, oh, LeBron, I know you're already on your first or second or how many workouts. He's running a treadmill. He's doing this at two in the morning. Like, he's so proud of himself. Like, good for him to get up early at two and three in the morning, working out, getting out and going to be, um, on, on the Skip and Shan show, whatever it's called. Um, on FS1 for a few hours, like, oh my, oh my goodness, like, I wanted to, I wanted to bring light to that, I didn't know if it was just, like, me, like, I, I don't know, go check out Skip Bayless' Instagram account, you may find yourself weirded out, or you may find it completely normal, if you find that completely normal, Best thing to do is just to block yourself from social media by deleting your account. You'll do yourself and everyone else a favor. Because nobody talks about LeBron as much as him. Like, nobody. Like, I, I guess he lives in Los Angeles. Cover anyone else. Legit. Like, no one, I, I never seen anyone do that before. He's like the biggest LeBron James hater. I guess he hates him. I, I don't know. Like, this is like a mixed relationship. This is like a one-sided relationship. I don't know if LeBron just ever even commented on this. I'm just like, really? This is what we're doing? This is what you're posting about 2 in the morning. Like, uh, LeBron James. I don't know if he... Like, I don't think he cares about you. Like, not to be rude. I don't know not to be rude towards Skip, but... I see LeBron has more important things coming up on his mind, like championships, family, free time, working out, trying to be productive, not going on social media just to see some reporter, see some TV show guys just screaming at him in all caps and wondering where he's at, why he's inspiring him. 
Like, I'm just so, it's just so sad. But, but yeah, that's, that's also I wanted to bring up. Now, two of the more, I guess, serious news you can say. These are going to be the final two uh, breaking news. And this has to do with the COVID-19 vaccine and COVID in general. And unvaccinated players, vaccinated players, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and even Brad Bill, most shockingly. Um, again, if you do not want to hear about this and you get enough from your local news or national news stations, I advise just turning this off right now or skipping ahead. Skip ahead, most likely. You don't want to miss this series. But we got to talk about this, sadly, because I bet you anything this is going to affect this season. And that's on me being rude or negative. I'm just saying the facts and, oh, do we have a lot to talk about today? I'm going to try to do this within 13 minutes before the one-hour mark so we have enough time to talk about what's really fun and what's really interesting. So, add Brad Bill to the list of Kyra Irving um, and An- Angel Wayans and Jonathan Isaac as all the ones who are not vaccinated Bradley Beal has came out to say, I'm not vaccinated. Like he, he legit said he's not vaccinated. I'm going to pull it up right now. Pull up the quote. Uh, this is, uh, so Beal says he's unvaccinated. Quote, people with vaccines, why are they still getting COVID? It doesn't eliminate anybody from getting COVID. End quote. Wow. That actually made a lot of sense. Whether you believe in the vaccine or you don't, that just makes sense. Because it's true. Just because you get a vaccine doesn't mean you're like you're, un- you're untouchable from COVID. Because if that, was, if that made sense about vaccines, then we can say every time you get a flu shot, you want to be exposed to more flu-like symptoms. You want to have your immunity down while you're trying... Like why? Why you're getting like your flu shot? That won't make you unprotectable against the flu, against common colds. Like, and people can say whatever they want about the vaccine and whatnot, about it being unsafe. What's actually in these vaccines and how safe they are? are they really? Are they both pros and cons? Because those are both really credible, important, important things, right? I'm not discrediting that one bit. And those are important things to talk about. And really try to understand as you're about to put something unknown into your body that may or may not help you. Or could actually hurt you in some ways. If possible. So, he actually made really good sense. Because if that was correct about vaccines. If you told me with credible, scientific, logical reasoning of facts and statistics dating back to the first vaccine. That if I took a vaccine... And it made me untouchable. Like, I can't, you couldn't touch me. I would be lining up to get my vaccine. If that was, like, true about, like, the flu, like, you could never be touchable again. Or even about COVID. Even though children and the majority of teenagers don't get COVID right. It's more for the elderly and for people above the age of 40, 45, et cetera, et cetera, right? We can all agree upon that. Right, I don't think it's necessary to have children wearing face masks and vaccines. And of course, people agree with that. That's why they have the age above 12. Because the ones at the high, most highest risk 
or elderly or elderly people and adults above the ages of 45. I agree with that, right? But I also agree with Brad Bill was saying that about vaccines and actually the security that it gives you, the added antibodies and what it does. Because now Brad Beal and um, Jonathan Ice have brought, uh, excuse me, has brought really good points to say, look, um, they they brought a reason. Like, um, look, we did we did our research. We don't want to do it. We've talked about it. Some even went to faith based reasons. Some went to logical reasons. Both are correct. Either way that you look at it, whether you are pro-vaccines or not pro-vaccines, either way, they're both right if it's credible, if it's a credible argument and it makes logical sense. That's pretty much what it boils down to. I think you and I can both agree to that. And now, Brad Bill's that fourth guy. And all these players are good players, like Kyrie Irving, Andrew Wiggins, Bradley Beal and Jonathan Isaacs, they're between good and great, right? Just giving those two categories because of all four of these players. So it's not like we're talking about the little guys over here, like Mo Wagner, just using him as an example. We're like all these different guys. We're talking about credible guys. We're talking about significant team impacting players. So that can lead Washington to a pickle. Because I don't know if they've mandated their vaccines. I don't know. I really don't keep up of that per se. Like, like when I heard about President Biden's uh, vaccine mandate over the country, over businesses with over 100 workers, that was everywhere. I heard about that. But when it comes to like, all the vaccine mandates, I live in Arizona, so I'm fine. I don't have to worry about no vaccine mandate. Same with Florida. Because I... Because I went to Florida, too. I don't have to worry about that. So, I I just pay attention to Arizona, Florida. Everywhere else, besides, like, California, New York, I really don't pay attention to things. Go. That's not me being rude or anything or being standoffish towards these issues or promising to be fixed. I just, um, I go from, like, my main news, but then besides that, yeah, I'm fine. Right? And I think we can all agree with that. Our majority of us can agree with that. I enjoy politics to a certain extent, and yeah, not trying to make this a political thing or a political segment, not what I'm trying to do, I'm just stating what I'm just saying, right? But yeah, Brad Bill, he's the fourth guy, and he brought up a good point. It's not like he's just, I'm not going to take it. It's not like he's just being like, like, uh, argumentative saying, no, I find it stupid, no, I'm not taking it. Or he's going to take that spectrum, like, um, if, like, he's honestly going to take that spectrum, he's like, well, if you don't have the vaccine, I'm not going to play with you. Or if you're on the vaccine, I don't want you to ever show up again. I don't ever want you to be in the league again. I don't want you being near me in a 100-yard distance, right? He's not going to be too extreme about that. He's just saying, look, he's brought up really good questions. Like, if the COVID vaccine works, then why are people still getting COVID? It's not like it's solving, it's giving you antibodies, but you're still in COVID, so why are we still worried? Because it always brings back up to that point, if the vaccinated are safe, then why is it the unvaccinated job? Because if the vaccine works and the vaccinated have it, then they're gold. Then you'll just see a bunch of unvaccinated people, unvaccinated people dead or severely ill. Truth be told, that 
That's pretty much what we've been led to believe by the news and uh, political figures and people like, right? Again, not trying to make this political. I'm just stating the scenario. I'm just stating the obvious that if the vaccine works and the vaccine have it, they're set. They're gold. They're protected. They're living life like normal. It's just going to be like the unvaccinated people that are going to have more of a miserable time and more acceptable to COVID, right? And I think with the league, yeah, 90% vaccinated or somewhere around there. I don't know how many things have changed, but around 90%, then they should be gold. If the 10% wants to risk, risk their lives, the vaccine will be fine. If we're going by their logic, then they should be fine. And then, so yeah, that's just how I view it and how pretty much majority of the people here view it. But yeah, that's where Brian Peel stands. He stands on the unvaccinated reasons, not because he thinks it's stupid, not because of politics, or at least what he said in that little excerpt I, uh, I gave to you guys that was quote, that was a quote, but it was because of the vaccine and the really assurance of the vaccine. And you're like, fine, I put this to my body, but what's the, but what's the rate that I don't get COVID? What's the percent? We really can't know that, right? Just different things like that. Now, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who has been an active voice the past year on many different issues, he has spoken up courageously, and he's spoken up on issues that he finds important and which are important, as many other people like him have. And it's very important for him to speak up like many other people during the issues that we had in the United States and the world alike, right? Um... I don't know if I agree with this per se, but I'm going to let you guys come to your conclusion. As Kareem Abdul-Jabbar believes that unvaccinated players and staff should be kicked off their teams. So essentially saying if you're unvaccinated, you can't play. If you're unvaccinated, you can't be playing this league. You're done. You can't coach, can't do anything. Um, oh man, um... I don't mean to be rude here. I don't mean to be objective to what you're saying because I, I value his opinion. But who gives you that 40? The NBA, the NBPA already stated that we're not going to force a mandate upon the players. If the local officials state that you must have a mandate, a uh, vaccine card, if you have, you must have a vaccine to play, then so be it. It's like what Brooklyn did. It's like what California did, right? New York, right? Um, but to say that, um, you can't really play in the league because of your own personal choice, I don't know if that's fair. I really don't know if that's fair because if they come up with solid evidence and they make a reasonable case and they're like belong to a faith-based religion or they're just like making logical decision about putting this vaccine into your body or not. While we may disagree with and it seems like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar disagrees with the unvaccinated players a lot, I think it's something we have to respect. And by the record, I'm not vaccinated. And I'm not over here chanting for or saying that, oh, the vaccinated players need to be kicked out of the league because they made a decision to get vaccinated. That's their own choice. I'm okay with that. So I don't think it needs to come to you could play. Well, you don't. I don't think you need to say they need to be kicked off their teams. I don't think that's right. 
Maybe I'm misinterpreting. Maybe maybe what I read misinterpret what Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said. But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar always been always been strict about the COVID-19 vaccine and people that object to it. Because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar also said, I posted this a day ago and I asked a question, is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar right or wrong about NBA anti-vaccinators? And he said this, quote, There is no room for players who are willing to risk the health and lives of their teammates, the staff, and the fans, simply because they are unable to grasp the seriousness of the situation or do the necessary research. And quote. Well, well, um... I don't, I don't want to offend anyone here, but then again, I don't care either way, right? Uh, as I'm saying, just my opinion. If Bradley Beal... Okay, let's take Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac said he was studying black history, was studying Trump, was studying the vaccine and the antibodies. Like, he was doing his research. That, to me, would qualify for doing necessary research. That would qualify as necessary research. Unless I'm, unless that does not apply to necessary research, then Kareem will be right. But Jonathan Isaac seems to be in the clear. And then Brad Beal asked important, critical, singing questions about the vaccine. He sounds like he's done his research about the vaccine. Well, and he's also finding the seriousness of like the vaccine and whatnot, COVID, how powerful COVID is. That's why they're making these decisions. So I don't make any decisions. So I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want people to think. Well, just because you don't get the vaccine doesn't mean you know the severity of this issue of this illness. Look, just because you don't take the vaccine doesn't mean you want to kill people. Doesn't mean that you want to hurt people, hurt your loved ones, hurt strangers. Because you're not taking the vaccine, like you're not taking COVID seriously. I'm not saying, I don't think that needs to be said. I don't think anyone's applying that. Nobody wants to hurt somebody because of their own personal choice on a vaccine or on anything really that comes to medical situations, to their medical, per, um, to their medical uh, life and whatnot and what they believe, right? Everybody has their own set of beliefs. Jonathan Isaac and Brad Bill has done research. Jonathan Isaac said it. Brad Bill sounds like he's done tons of research and is questioning the COVID nineteen vaccine. So I, I don't I don't know I don't think it's fair to say well we need to kick these guys off their teams because they're not getting vaccinated. Again, if they were vaccinated, if the vaccinated and the vaccine works, then why are the vaccine at risk? Why would the vaccine be at risk? Wouldn't it just be the unvaccinated? And I don't know what I'm, if I'm saying this correctly to you guys or not, but I'm just talking about this. Because sometimes it upsets me, like, where it's like, yeah, I get your I get your point. I get your opinion. But just because someone doesn't agree with it doesn't mean we have to go to the deep ends of the water and say, you can't be, the, you can't be here. You can't do this. Now, it would be one thing if the NBA uh, mandated vaccines for players, but they didn't. It's like restaurants whose owners say, you can't come in here without a vaccine card. Okay, then if you're unvaccinated, just don't eat there, right? But Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and I probably am wrong about this, and I'll stand corrected if I am, but I probably aren't. Um, I, I don't know, I don't know, Kareem, that just doesn't hold up for me because it's not mandated. It's a freedom of choice. 
I don't know about you, but I want to want some medical overlord saying, well, you have to get the vaccine or you can't do this. Who would live life like that? Not in the United States. What happened to the United States? There's countries in mind right now that we all know that has suffered from medical tyranny, that has suffered from these tyrannical people, from these controlling barriers, these entities. I think they're larger than life and because we vote for that or because we believe in that, it actually backfires and actually causes more harm than good. Because whatever seems like a good idea, like the small little dangling carrots comes with the bazooka and just kills everyone, right? And this is metaphorically, of course. Not literally, but metaphorically. So, to me, I just don't find that right. I'm all for the safety of people. We all know our boundaries as humans. We all know it, right? Like, I, my intention would never be to hurt people. Because... I'm unvaccinated just because I don't want to take the vaccine because I don't believe in what itself, right? And I don't have to defend myself because why would I? All I'm saying is that just because you don't want to take the vaccine doesn't mean you can't grasp the situation. So to me, that's not logical. That's coming out of emotion. That's coming out of hatred. And I'm not saying that he's a hateful guy for that. I'm just saying... He was in a hateful moment. He's jumped to inclusions. He's going on the far end of the world. He's trying to say, look, you cannot do anything unless it's through um, this vaccine, which to me, this does not seem right. I don't want to keep belaboring. Excuse me. I don't want to keep belaboring the point. It's not necessary. I'll keep talking about it each day as new news comes up. I was planning on not talking about the vaccine or COVID excuse me, or all these different medical issues in the podcast, Yanks. I know how old that can be for a first rate time. And I'm probably going to eliminate it from tomorrow's conversation just because I get how old it can be. And I don't want people to start tuning out of any podcast, especially mine, over political stuff, over COVID stuff, because we get that enough in our daily life and our daily tellings of from the news and whatnot. So I'm going to try to do a better job of not talking about it. But again, this, I think this is important because I don't believe that you should be able to dictate something because they made a choice and it's not a choice that you agree with. I don't think it's how it works. I know that's not how it works. And... I would pretty much argue anyone upon that point because that's just simple knowledge. That's easy logic to try to debate and you, you, you would never win if you say, well, it's a freedom of choice, but I'm not going to let you do that even though the league never mandated the vaccine. So technically you would be right and you're just putting yourself in different protocols as vaccinated people. Like, does that make sense? It's like, why do we always got to go off on the deep end? That's just not critical thinking. That's not rational thinking. That's not logical thinking. But sometimes, when will we ever go to that point again? Moving on. We had enough We had enough fun from COVID and whatnot. Let's just go over. That was the breaking news section. Again, sorry for the longer uh, segment on that. For that longer uh, piece. I don't think it was only 17 minutes, so it's not too bad out of the hour and six minutes, right? It was been recording so far, 
but moving on to something better and something more important that pertains to basketball. And that would be our brand new series that came out last week. I guess we can't call it brand new, but our huge series that came out last week. And that would be the toughest division in the entire NBA. And then the best teams or the number one team in each conference. And who would just be the best division, the best team in the entire NBA. Are you ready? Imaginary drum roll, please. Here we go. The Central Division is here. And that has the Milwaukee Bucks, Indiana Pacers, Chicago Bulls, Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Detroit Pistons. Let's go over to the Detroit Pistons real quick. I want to talk about them. They got some good stuff. Because remember, they drafted um, uh, Say Cunningham. And they've made some good moves. They're more conscientious. They're in a rebuilding mode. We know that. They have Say Cunningham, Luca Garza, Killian Hayes, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, Isaiah Livers, Josh Jackson, Kelly Olenek, and Dennis Smith Jr. Those are their best players on this team as a whole. Um, on on uh, the starting lineup and on the bench. Look, um, I'm gonna include standings for this. The Detroit Lions. I'm sorry, not Detroit Lions, but the Detroit Pistons are gonna stay at the bottom. They're in the early stages of rebuilding. They've tanked. They've made sure to get where they're supposed to be at. Right. They've got rid of Blake Griffin, Andrew Drummond. All these different players. They made sure to get, say, Cunningham. They got him. Luka Garza was a great addition for the centerpiece. He's 22 years old. He was drafted to this year. Second round, pick 52. So, they're, so their, their point guard and center, or I'm sorry, their shooting guard and their center are rookies. Killing Hayes is coming off of his rookie season. We average 7 points per game and close enough to free rebounds per game in 26 minutes. And then we head on down to Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant averaged 23 points per game in the 50, uh, in the 54 games that he played. Sadiq Bey averaged 12 points. Then we go down to Kelly Olenek. Kelly Olenek also averaged 19 points, but in Houston and in Miami. Split of 10 points for Miami. Split of uh, 19 points for Houston in that 2020 season when he got traded, right? So, to me, I can't be critical of the Detroit Pistons because they're making the right moves. On paper, they're making the right moves. And the right moves would be getting a new, strong, vibrant shooting guard. Notice what they're doing. Getting out of the old and in with the new. They have a Luka Garza. They have Say Cunningham. Those two players are going to be very useful for those two positions. Then Killian Hayes, is, I believe, is going to have impact. He's going to have double digits in points scored per game. I could just bet on that or close to that. I think he's going to start fire hot. I think he's going to be like one of those impactful players that are not talked about a lot. Jeremiah Grant, I believe he's going to be talked about because he averaged 22, 23 points per game last season 
and he shot it 43% from the field off a of free assist and five rebounds, or four and a half rebounds, uh, to be exact. So to me, I believe he's going to average those numbers again. His first season in Detroit went well. That's the first time he ever got 20-plus points per game. He was coming off a 12-point uh, per game season in Denver. That obviously didn't turn out well, but now he's landing in Detroit. If he could pump those numbers again, expect some big, big wins out of that team. That still goes for Sadiq Bay. Averaging those double-digit points, that's going to be very huge for that team, averaging 12 to 15 points per game. Then you see Kelly Linick. He has a nice three-point shot. He'll rattle off a few good shots from the three-point line and in the paint parameter, right? He's going to get some good shots in. He also has some good interior defense. He could be a good defensive player with or without the ball, right? Then Josh Jackson, he's iffy. He's bounced around since being psyched with the fourth uh, overall pick in the 2017 NBA Draft. Uh, Detroit, the 2020 season, he averaged 13 points. Not bad in his fourth season. Those are career-high numbers. But it also has to be stated. Detroit was also in a state of vulnerability. And they were just putting up shots, put up shots, right? Because it didn't really matter to them in those 20 games that they won. Because they were tanking for an obvious cause. But he also averaged two assists and four rebounds. And 41% from the field, 42% from the field. If we're going to give him that, that 0.1%, right? In 25.2 minutes per game. And he played in 62 games. Not bad. This entire team's going to have a lot of bumps. So I'm going to still put them at the bottom. Not to give my impression. I don't say it's going to be a playoff team in this season. Or even like not in this season. Maybe next season they make some better moves. And they keep continuing to add. And you see Cunningham doing really well with Bay, Grant, Garza, Hayes, Wright. And then you see the bench with Olenek, uh, Smith Jr., Jackson, all these different guys. I think it's going to be something. I'm telling you, it's going to be something. So keep an eye out for that. Because to me, and my philosophy, how I've always seen it was, is that, um, look, you have all these young guys, but it also takes, some, it takes a while for these young guys to adapt to the NBA Especially when 40% of your starting lineup are rookies. That that makes up a huge difference, might I add. Just might I add. Because not, not do you see 40% of your starting lineup consumed by rookies. And these guys are... Well, then Wonder guys coming off um, their rookie season. I believe same with Sadiq Bey. Yeah, same with Sadiq Bey. These are all young guys. The most experienced guy here on the starting lineup would be Jeremy Grant. On the bench, it would be Kelly Olenek. Right? Because he put with Boston. He put with Miami. Now he's here. Right? Those were the teams that he really played for, right? So to me, to play easily, they're going to win about 20 to 25 games. But they're still going to be in last place in the Central Division. I don't see them making any big jumps. Uh, I think they're going to be like five games better than what they were last season. I think they're going to be better away. I think they're going to be better in a division. I don't think they're going to be like one eleven division. That's just poor. I think even though there's going to be a lot of inconsistency and rough spots, there's also going to be some good patches filled and some really good spots filled. 
just because we see that the Pistons are young, veteran players, they're ready to go, they're ready to make impact for Detroit, that's going to make a huge difference. But that's where I'm viewing them right now. That's where I have them at. Dead last, where they were last season, but better divisionally, and five games better to the entire record instead of just being at 20 wins, 25 wins. At least we can see improvement there on the 82-game uh, Excuse me, on an 82-game season. Cleveland. Cleveland's going to be very interesting. Both Cleveland and Chicago's going to be very interesting. But we've been talking about the Cleveland Browns. I'm sorry, about the Cleveland Cavaliers a lot. We really have been. And their players consist of Kevin Love, Colin Sexton, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, Ricky Rubio, Jared Jown, Lauren Markkinen, City Osman, uh, Isaac Okoro. And all these different players. Those are their best players. I'm just going to do a mention, like Taco Fall. He's he's not bad. Just because uh, he was really funny during the dunk season. Dunk contest. If they keep Colin Sexton, that will be huge. They have, a, they have a good, good veteran presence. I hate Kevin Love. I think he was good back in 2016, 2017, 2018. His time for the past three years has just been expiring. But... If that's the only downside, I people aren't talking about Cleveland enough. Cleveland made some really good by choices during the NBA draft, during the NBA offseason. We've talked about that, about what did we learn during the entire offseason. We talked about the Cleveland Cavaliers a lot. And I outlined that they were able to get a veteran point guard to help Darius Garland out better. They got Evan Mobley, third overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft. He's going to be good. They need that center. He's big in length. He has, he has great wingspan. He has seven. He has a seven feet height. Like that's perfect. He's very. He's he's not your usual center. He can dribble. He can score. He can shoot like no one no one else's business. Now if he gets more now if he gets more muscle and develops into a man body, my goodness, we could be looking at. The modern day, I don't know if I want to say Yao Ming or Shaq, but Dwight Howard, like he'll be up there with some of the best players to ever step into the court, step onto the court. Jared John, he got that huge payday. He's gonna be a great center. He's gonna be a, that great player. I would love to have. Uh, I hear how I love it to go. Lauren Markkinen, Sexton, Mobley, Allen, um. I'm sorry, hold on. I like to have it. Love, Markkinen, Sexton, uh, Mobley, and Allen. That will be a really good starting five. You're bringing a lot of veteran awareness. You're bringing a lot of fresh meat, some new eyes. You're bringing height, weight, athleticism to the table, meshing it, meshing it together, and so much skill. You're bringing versatility there. You're bringing mindsets together. And you're going to bring this core to one. You're going to see the core open up for so many players. It's going to be something really, really exciting. And I'm not even kidding. As Kevin Love, even though he's been up and down with injuries and just as just be himself. I really don't know. He still averages double. He used to average double doubles, but he still averages double point games, right? Twenty nineteen was his best season with um, 
I'm sorry, 2016 was his best season with Cleveland. His worst was last year at 12 points. If he's still able to score 12 points per game, there's still some nice utilization. But we all talk about Laurie Markin coming to the team. It was to stick a knife in the back of Kevin Love's back and just twist it and make his life uncomfortable and just prove a point, right? I've talked about that more in different podcast episodes. But then we also come down to Sexton. He's gonna, he's a dangerous shooting guard. Evan Mobley, he's going to translate to an amazing center for this team. Watch out for that. Same with Jared Allen. Those two guys, they, 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 the, the Cleveland Cavaliers can rule with two centers. These Cleveland Cavaliers can rule with two forwards. On And this is all for like, the starting lineup can have two centers, two forwards, and one shooting guard slash point guard. Colin Sexton's ultimately going to bring up the ball, but you're going to be able to be so dominant in the paint and in the perimeter. That you're just going to have so many open shots, so many opportunities. You're, you should be able to dominate on the rebounding side. That's going to bring physicality and the mental toughness to a whole new level. So for me, I would actually rank the Cleveland Cavaliers at... Ah, oh, this is tough. Um... I'm actually gonna rank. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna rank them later, but to give them a standing, I believe out of 82 games in the entire season, I believe they're gonna win at least 42. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing them going 42 and 40, or at least 41 and 41. I believe they're gonna have a about 500 season or a little over a 500 season. That's where I'm predicting them. Then we move down to the Chicago Bulls. We've seen what Billy Donovan did last season. A head coach of the Chicago Bulls. We've seen what Zach Levine did. Former teammates with Lauren Marketing did there. We've seen everything play out. But the Chicago Bulls are ready. They're ready this season. And I'm excited. I'm excited when they take the core October 5th for, the pre- for their first preseason game. And how fun is actually against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So we'll be seeing a lot of Evan Mobile in that game. And we should be seeing a lot of Patrick Williams too. But here's why I like it a lot. They have Lon- okay, here's here they are. Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Alex Caruso, Akil Vujovic, Patch Williams, Kobe White, Derrick Jones Jr. Those are the best players they have on their team. Bench players and starting players. Zach Levine has been a baller. For now, for him to get weapons, that is huge. Lonzo Ball is the point guard that every team won to have during the offseason, but the Bulls were able to snag. Like He's worth the contract. He's worth the money. He has court vision like no one else's business. He has that passer mentality like no one else has. DeMar DeRozan, even though people hate on him because he got traded and there was just like all this backlash, uh, right? There was like all this backlash because they're like, oh no, he's just overrated. I don't think so. I don't think he's worth all of those picks and players that they gave up, all those assets. But I think it's going to work out. The pick and roll game is going to be stronger because he's there. And he's gonna, everyone's going to benefit off his pick and roll. And he's going to benefit for sure. Zach Levine, we talked about him. Alex Caruso, he's, he, he's really good. He's the 27-year-old, finally getting the big payday. Um, as he... Didn't average the most points, but he was very impactful. Go beyond the stats. 
the Lakers, Elon LeBron was impressed by Caruso. As Caruso was averaging some really good points, some really good minutes, some really good uh, impactful possessions, meaningful drives, meaningful plays, that when he was a secondary unit, or even sometimes in the starting unit, he was impactful. He made sure that he, every time he saw on that court, it was impactful. And to me, that's what you want on your team. He's going to be explosive this season. So for him to be the backup point guard, um, being the backup point guard, that's going to help perfectly. Because he's, ba- he's really good. He's at his best when he's in his secondary unit. Because he will be... Right behind, he'll be right beside Patrick Williams. Patrick Williams is very, very good. I would never underestimate him. He's going to be something spectacular. And then we see Kobe White. Kobe White is having a really, really good career so far. Especially with the transformation of Billy Donovan within him. He averaged 15 points last season. 41% from the field. 4 rebounds. 5 assists in 69 games. 31 minutes. He he was getting he was up in every single category. I just read from this past season, the 2019 his debut season. Because his debut season had 13 points, 15 two-point increase from 2019 to 2020. Uh 2%, 2.2% increase on the percentile of field goal percentage. And then we see a almost a like a a whole rebound uh more in the twenty twenty season and then in the twenty nineteen season. And then a doubling doubling amount or close to that for assist. So to me that's huge. To me, that's huge. Kobe White's going to be perfect. He's that type of knockdown shooter you do not want to leave open or give a little bit of room. Then we get down to Nikola Vujovic. He's good. The Ferdial's good. He averaged 21 points for the Chicago last season. He And averaged 24 points last season for Orlando when they had the double splits. He's very good. He's going to fit into his role perfectly. He's physical. He's mindful. He's talented to the point to where he's like, look, this is my role. I can dominate on the inside. I'm going to move these guys, whether they like it or not. Like, if he wanted to play bully ball with DeAndre and Joel Bede, Anthony Davis, like players like that, Jokic, he could. And he would own those guys to a certain degree. I legit believe that. So looking at this team, I can legit say to everyone, this team is going to win some serious games. From being a 31 or 41 season, looking at it at an 82 game series season, I I will take him at 45 to 50 wins. Easily. Easily. I'm just going to say, I'm going to take him at 45 to 50 wins. They're going to get over 500. They're going to be an over 500 team. They could be a 510, a 520 team by the time the season's over. I'm not even kidding because I believe they're going to win more divisional games. I believe they're going to win more home games. I don't think they're going to have a losing record home and away. Home's going to be much more stronger. Away's going to be a little bit better. I'm just telling you that. They're not going to be 15 games back. They're just not in the entire conference. I think we're going to see some real impacts here, and I believe it's really going to start picking up. 
because I think they're going to be scoring more points per game than 110 points per game. I don't think they're going to allow their opponents to score more than they're dishing out. I think we're going to see so many different things happen. I think when we're looking at their last 10 games, they're going to have a winning streak in each of the last 10 games that they're in. I'm just telling you that. That's how I'm looking at it. And moving on to the Pacers. The Pacers were everywhere. The Indianapolis Pacers were everywhere. They just were. They had head coaches change. Players leave. Players come in. Like Karis Avert. Then you have teammates that are just staying for the long run. Tory Craig was also coming in. And now you see Miles Turner, uh, Demontis uh, Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, Karis Ver, Chris Darty, TJ Warren, and Tory Craig, and TJ McConnell. Those are your best players that you have on your team. They have an okay bench. But TJ Warren's not bad. He's up and down. Sometimes he can have some of the best games of his life, and sometimes he can't. He was plagued by a season-ending foot injury last year that only saw him four games into the season, averaging 15.5 points off of 53% from the field, three and a half rebounds, and almost barely having an assist, right? So it's going to be interesting to see what TJ Warren has. I want... I think that the Pacers can be very hopeful that TJ Warren will be missing, can avoid missing extended stretch of times with that foot injury. I don't. I don't think that period of time is gonna be fading by the time of the season. They may be a few games without him, maybe like two weeks without him or something like that. But I don't think it's gonna be that drastic. I think it's gonna come before the second week. That's my guess. I don't know how bad the foot injury is, but they're gonna be able to utilize him. Miles Turner's been a very dominant forward. He's just getting his way, getting those um twelve points per game. He's just one of those guys that you just do not want to defensively match up against. He's a shot blocker. He's a physical guy that's just like, no, just get out of my way. There's nothing else that you can do. It's my time. Bye bye. Bye bye. See ya. It just goes beyond the stats for majority of these guys. When you get these guys in game time, you're just like, wow, he is a freak of nature. Why have we not traded from you? Like, you get those feelings before. I get those vibrations, like those vibes from him. They're pretty good. Then Malcolm Brogdon's also not bad. He averages 21 points per game. 2019, he had a 5-point increase from 2019 to 2020. Same with field goal percentage by 2. Uh, rebounds only slighted by 0.3, and assists were actually down. But he still averaged 6 assists per game. It was just down by 1.1. But overall, going from Milwaukee to Indy, not bad. I'm actually liking Mount Brogdon. I'm actually liking that matchup. Because I think that... The former 36 pick in the second round of the 2016 NBA draft is going to be making this huge name of himself. Because even though he's not making the papers, the headlines by the NBA and all these different reporters, I still think he's going to be very valuable within that team. He's going to be a one-dose uh, pieces, especially, I'm sorry, for the point guard position, that's going to be very, very important. Then we know what Karis Avert can offer. Speaking about point guards, shooting guards, right? He averaged 18 points 
um, uh, for Indy. It just, he just did. He averaged 20 points for Indy in the 35 games that he played. To me, Karis Vert's going to be a big-time scorer. He's a legit guy. He didn't get the recognition that he should have gone when there was the big free, but he put that team on his back sometimes when he needed to and when he was feeling it. Um, TJ McConnell's going to be good. Isaiah, Isaiah Jackson's going to be good. Tori Craig's going to be good. All these different guys going to be good for the bench, right? That's what I'm speaking of. That's just going to be mainly for the bench. Chris Dari, that's going to be for the bench. Um, right. Then we're going to see Sabonis maybe in the... I think Sabonis will be in the starting lineup. Here's how, here's how I like my starting line to go. Sabonis, Turner, Brogdon, Overt, Warren. Those going to be my starting five. Or if Warren can't go, I like to see someone else step in. And that would... They don't have a... Like... Uh, maybe TJ McConnell, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. I'll just think about that. But I would actually give the Indianapolis Pacers the record of 40 and 42. A slight drop-off. A slight drop-off. And now we're going to talk about the final team, the reigning, defending, undisputed uh, heavyweight champions of the world, Mini Broncos. No, I'm kidding. It's the Milwaukee Bucks 2021 NBA Finals champion, carried by Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. My goodness. Talk about... A team that can do it all. A small market team. A small market franchise. And it's just like, nope, we can do it. Don't worry, we're gonna we're gonna win a championship. That's what he did. This guy Giannis. They have Milton. They have Holiday. They got Lopez. They got Portis. They got Giannis's brother. They got Cunnington. They got uh Dante DiVincenzo. They got Teague. They have Sam Merrill. Um they have, they have Justin Jackson. They have Rodney Hood, George Hill. Have all these different guys. Those are the good guys. That I was listing out. But they have their core five. Then they have their core defensive. They have their core to bench players, like um, like um, who would it be? That would probably be Dante DiVincenzo, Jeff Teague, Justin Jackson. Rodney Hood, George Hill, different guys like that. But do not take this team lightly. Mike Boonholzer, I've critiqued him a lot. I still do. But the players have been carrying this team on their back. The head coach, Mike Boonholzer, has been helping, has been an instrumental piece to their offense, to their success. And I don't think we should undermine that. They are champions for a reason. They have just had grind determination. They are just have made spectacular play, spectacular play. They showed up in the postseason. They always show up in the regular season, but they capitalized on the postseason. When the chips were down, they were backs against the corner, especially in a game seven against the Brooklyn Nets on the missed Kevin Durant free. Just because he was so gassed because of no K- uh, Kyrie and no Harden due to COVID and due to injuries, mainly injuries out of everything. Uh, Harden was dealing with hamstring injury, and Kyrie was dealing with uh, uh, ankle injury. But, yeah, 
This is a re- this is a real deal team. They're a small market real deal team. They've proven that. They've won a championship. Giannis is for real. And yeah, it's just it's just very dominant. And when I'm looking at it, we all know who the starting free is. Drew Holiday's a beast defensively. Chris Middleton's there too. Like the core free guys are a mixture of offensive and defensive guys. But that's a fact. That's a fact. No matter how you want to slice it up, they're a mixture of offensive and defensive powerhouses. And to me, in the 82 game season, I'm actually going to take Milwaukee winning 50 to 60 games, having a 4 to 14 game difference, a better season than they did in 2020. And I'm going to say they're going to go back to the playoffs and have some really good successes. And with all of that being said, I'm gonna I'm gonna rank them from worst to best now. Detroit's gonna be number five. Cleveland's gonna be number four. Because I believe Chicago's gonna beat them out divisionally. And I say they're always gonna be them out conference wise. And it's gonna be them out record wise. So I'm gonna take Chicago number four. Uh, I'm actually gonna take Chicago number f- I'm gonna take the Pacers number three. And I'm gonna take the uh, Chicago Bulls, number two. And, of course, Milwaukee, number one. Here are my updated and revised uh, rankings, my records for these five teams. Milwaukee, 60 wins. Um, Ch- uh, Chicago Bulls will have them, will have them pretty much at, fi- uh, at 41 to 42 wins on the season. I'm going to call 42. Um, then I'm going to say Cleveland, it's tough. I'm going to say Cleveland's going to have 38 games. I'm going to say they're going to have 38 games. They're going to swoop in at number three. Or then number four, it will be the Indian Pacers at 37 games. And then Detroit at 25. That's how I see it going. It's going to be tight between Chicago, uh, the Pacers and Cleveland. But that's how I'm ranking it. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to win that division by far. It is going to be followed by Chicago. Then followed by Cleveland. Then followed by the Pacers. And lastly, followed by the Detroit Pistons. And without further ado, as that is our one of our remaining teams in the Eastern Conference in this series, before we ask the big question on who's better in each conference... Who's better? Who's better division as a whole? We'll have the Atlantic to top talk about next uh, next podcast episode, which will be tomorrow. But if you guys agree or disagree or want to comment further on my central rankings, go ahead. Text us at Courts of Heat text line. Text us at the Courts of Heat text line. That would be 602-791-2108. Can't remember the number. Just go in the podcast description below for the Courtside Heat text line. Again, that's 602-791-2108. Or email us directly at courtsofheat13 at gmail.com. Again, that's courtsofheat13 at gmail.com. But that was it. That was it. Detroit, they're rebuilding. Milwaukee. They're cashing in again for the regular season. Going to be a bulldog come the postseason. But yeah, that's where I have it at. That's where I'll leave it off at for you guys. That's where I'm going to take this podcast episode. That to me is it. That to me is a wrap. That to me is just 
game set match. And without further ado, we've talked about uh COVID, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Brad Bill, Zion Williamson, the what ifs featuring LeBron James, Skip Bayless, except uh obsession with LeBron, and how even Savannah doesn't even talk about LeBron. Who's his um who's who's his uh who uh, who's her husband? They even talk about him that much on social media. And then, of course, we talked about Michael Porter Jr., Zion Williamson. There's been a mixture of positivity and negativity. And for the Pelicans, we finally saw positivity. And we broke down the Central Division. One more division to go until we asked the big question come Thursday. Yeah, big question come Thursday. We'll be back here again um, Wednesday morning, 8 a.m., We'll, we'll, we'll like to see you guys there again. See you guys for listening. Again, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast. Uh, I, if I'm not to iTunes, um, we're also on Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and now on TuneIn. Also, say, hey, Siri, God, play me. Uh, play Courtside Heat's podcast or something like that, and it'll play Courtside Heat's podcast. We're always going to be getting on more podcast streaming platforms, and we're going to continue doing that. We're also going to get back on IGTV. We're also going to get back on to YouTube's, um, YouTube, Rumble, Daily Motion. We're just trying to figure all that stuff out, and we have so many more surprises coming. We'll be back here in the studio tomorrow morning, bright and early, Getting the job done and talking about what we love the most and just counting down the days, counting down the weeks until this season is back. Because I count the season officially back when tip-off happens, October 3rd, for that game. I believe it's, um, I want to say it's like, is it, oh, is it Warriors against the Lakers? No, I'm. Uh, who's October 3rd? October 3rd, Nets Lakers. That's going to be a good one. Tune on into that one. Hey, remember, that's preseason. It's going to be Sunday, October 3rd, 12.30 p.m. Uh, I say it's going to be like... Oh, and also, Wednesday, October 6th, it's going to be Lakers Suns. That's going to also be a good one. Even though it's preseason, we're going back down memory lane. So be ready for that. I can't wait. I can't wait for the season to begin again. And without further ado, that is that. And now the only thing left is hearing that beat drop. Here's the outro music. I'll see you guys again Wednesday morning. And without further ado, let the beat drop.